Let's take our Bible, please, to Exodus chapter number 20. We are continuing our sermon series on Sunday mornings with the Ten Commandments. God's commands for today. We need to know what God would have us to do. And if I asked each of you, how many of you right now would like to know what God wants me to do? Hands up everywhere. People want to know. They want to know, God, what do you want me to do? And friends, you can know it's not something mysterious or something creepy or crazy. You can find it in the Word of God. And last week we learned that there are no other gods before Him. He is the only one, singular. There's nothing else. He says, I am the Lord your God. In commandment number one, it says in verse number three, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. Now we're going to jump to commandment number two. The Bible says in verse number four, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Commandment number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. With the help of God today, and I need His help desperately, we're going to preach a subject titled this, Protecting God's Purity. Protecting God's Purity. In other words, there are people all across our land that have made God impure, that have adulterated or made abominable the things of God. And we're going to talk about how commandment number two deals with protecting God's purity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the scripture. Lord, thank you for teaching us the way that we should walk. Father, I just pray, God, that you'd help us today to see your word high and lifted up. God, would you hinder Satan and hinder our flesh. God, would you help us to see the Bible for what it is and what you have to say through us today. Help us, Lord, as we preach this. May hearts receive the truth of God's word. We love you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen. To recap last week when we talked about commandment number one, there are, again, there are five crucial commands or five crucial keys, excuse me, for unlocking the Ten Commandments. Let's go over them quickly. Number one, each of the commandments of God reflect His character. If you want to know God, you can know Him through the Ten Commandments. They reflect who He is and what He likes and dislikes. You can find out exactly what His character is by what He asks of us to do. Number two, the commandments keep full authority today. They do not change. They do not hinder. They are not driven away. They are not like ceremonial laws or different things that people say, well, it's the Old Testament, we'll just throw it out. The Ten Commandments hold full authority today. These are God's perpetual rules for worship and holy living. Normally, like we said last week, God spoke through prophets in the Old Testament. But in this moment, in the Ten Commandments, God wrote it with His own finger, the Bible says, on the tablets of stone that Moses had. They came straight from him. There was no mediator. 
These came straight from Him. Number three, they're designed for believers. For us, they're for everyone. The Ten Commandments are binding upon all mankind. And they're specifically given to us who know and love the Lord and how we should live. Number four, each commandment not only deals with the chief sin, but it deals with a family of sins. In other words, every commandment here not only is not just singularly adultery, it's not just simply lying or simply stealing. It's not just that. It's a whole family of sins. In other words, the Ten Commandments, the commandments you find here, are the chiefest, highest offense possible, and it covers everything underneath it. And we'll discuss that again today. Number five, those these commands are expressed in the negative form, thou shalt not. These commands are also given to us that we may perform the opposite virtue. Last week we talked about the opposite virtues of thou shalt know the gods before me, our faith, and loving him, singularity to him, that we should give all to him, that he is everything. Now today we're dealing with a very, very tense subject, and I believe that this sermon could impact hearts and change cultural mindsets for the rest of our lives. And I'm preaching this today with the mindset that some of you could leave here offended at me today. And I'm willing to take that risk if it means that we serve and love God the way He chooses for us to do so, not how we choose. It's all about His way. We're talking about protecting God's purity. Of how we view God, how He is shown to the world is very important. There's a story here that two students, they were walking along a street in a district of London a section where old and used clothing is sold. He said, what a fitting illustration we have in this, in this district, in this market, the street. He pointed to a suit of clothes hanging on a rack by a window. The sign above that clothing piece said this, slightly soiled, greatly reduced in price. Did you hear that? Great, I mean, slightly soiled, greatly reduced in price. That's exactly it, this boy said. We get soiled by gazing at vulgar pictures, reading a course book, or allowing ourselves to do a dishonest or lustful things. Our purity, our strength is gone. Yes, continual slight deviations from the right path of, of abominable things, of adulterating, it takes away the purity. Friends, how many of you like to have clean water? Yeah, we want pure, clean water. Friends, let me tell you this. The best thing you can do for your children and for your family is to teach them how to worship God. And you can find how to worship God in the Ten Commandments. Now, we're dealing with idolatry still to a, to a certain point. He says, Thou shalt have no graven images. You shall not bow, them, bow thyselves to them. Thou shalt not serve them. Do not bow. Them. Now, do any of you have any, you'd say, any idol, any kind of certain thing in your life that you bow down to that's a physical thing? I'm sure in our American culture that's not very prevalent. Around the world it is. But friends, remember, an idol is not simply something that we make with our hands that we bow down to. An idol is anything that comes in competition with God at all. Anything that could come in competition. Now, remember this, that the greatest sin is idolatry in your Bible. You'll find the Bible says idolatry is as the sin of witchcraft. And you know what the chief commandment the Lord Jesus said was? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy strength. You know what the opposite of disobeying, or you know what disobeying that commandment is? To follow and to practice any and all forms of idolatry is the opposite of loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy strength. 
You can have idols in your hearts, friends, without having them in your hands. Now we're talking today about God's purity, protecting His purity. Now, many of you think that this simple command simply means this. I'm trying to stay behind the mic. I want to walk around, but I want the nurse to be able to hear too. Some of you think that it just means that you cannot create some kind of idol that you worship and you bow down before it. But no, it's much deeper than that. This has to do with the character and image of God. In other words, images that depict Jesus Christ, images that depict God, these drawings that are made of God, these long-haired, white-skinned Jesuses you see are graven images. Here's where the toe-stepping comes. To depict our precious God with the limitations of art and man-made illustrations is to do the greatest disservice to God for He cannot be contained to simply an image or some kind of piece of art that you hang on your wall. To do is such a disservice to Him that reflects who He isn't. You'll find that a majority of churches will have a long, brown-haired, slightly very skinny, white Jesus sitting or resting in a picture somewhere in their service. Friends, I'm here to tell you, you may be offended by me saying such a statement, but that is not Christ. And we do not worship His worthy body as much as His heavenly body. I'm here to tell you, as boldly as I can and as calmly as I can, that images that depict God or that depict the Lord Jesus Christ are wicked. They are not to be had in our homes, in our churches, and in our lives. They are what God would say a graven image. He does this commandment to protect His purity. To say, whatever you draw, whatever you make, whatever artwork, whatever statue you have, whatever it is, it cannot contain my glory. It cannot hold my might. It cannot have my strength. It cannot contain who I am. And it does not depict all that I am. Now, what does human nature like to do? Human nature likes to walk by sight and not by faith. The Bible says those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I do not see sight. You'll see people that come and They'll kiss, they'll have a, a, a statue of Jesus Christ and they'll kiss his feet on the statue. You'll see that there are people who have some kind of Mary idol or some kind of thing like that that they'll worship and they'll love. Some people have a picture of Jesus on candles that they light at home and that they kiss and they bow down to and they worship, friends. Friends, I'm here to tell you that is not God and they that worship God may worship him by faith, not by sight. We, our finite human minds, try to restrict and put God in some kind of box that we depict Him to be. When He is all glorious and all masterful and all wonderful, we cannot and should not contain Him in such a way for it makes Him in a box and it restricts how people view Him. You may think I'm being harsh or I'm being hateful, friends, but you'll find that people are restricting and hindering the work of Jesus Christ and the Lord because they make Him into a physical item in which He is not. Does any of you believe still in the Holy Spirit that He works and convicts? Then thus, friends, we need not a picture of some white man hippie on our wall. That's who He is. Because many of us have grown up in this culture where you think that's Jesus. Friend, that's just some long-haired, brown-haired hippie who's white-skinned. Friends, Jesus wasn't even white-skinned. 
So we know it's surely, I mean, it's not him at all. And friends, remember the Bible says he has no form, he has no comeliness, and his beauty is not like anyone else. I mean, he wouldn't be the most handsome man on the street. All these perfectly shaven, good-looking, long, wonderfully drawn people are not the Lord Jesus Christ. And to depict him in such a way is a disservice to all that he is and all he can do. And we limit him to his earthly body, in which we cannot. And by God's help today, we're going to discuss how we can protect God's purity. And this goes deeper than just the simple images. Number one, the second commandment speaks of the person of God. The person of God. When Scottish theologian John Belial, he taught at Edinburgh University, he made it a practice to open his course on the doctrine of God with these words. Here's what he said. We must remember... In discussing God, that we cannot talk about Him without hearing every, without His hearing of every word we say. We may be able to talk about others behind their backs, but God is everywhere. Yes, even in this classroom. Therefore, in all discussions, we must be aware of His infinite presence and talk about Him, as it were, before His face. What would it be like for us if we lived our life like God saw everything? What would change about our words if... Everything that came out, God hears, and we believed it. What would our actions at home, on our TVs, our radios, our phones, what would change if we realized that God sees it all? I used to preach a message when I was a teenager titled, Living Like Jesus is Your Best Friend. And I taught on this principle that you should live like Jesus is always right next to you. And if you wouldn't do it in front of Him, you shouldn't do it at all. We're talking about the person of God. We need the right conception of God. Many of us, all of us, in some form or fashion, view God wrong. Remember, our theme is enthroning Jesus, high and lifted up, Isaiah 6.1. It's all about how we see Him, because that depicts how we worship Him. That depends how we act. That changes everything about how we live, is how we view God. Friends, let me be clear and bold. If you respected God the way you should, church attendance wouldn't be uh, a kind of a question. Your Bible reading wouldn't be a question. Your life and prayer and talking with Him wouldn't be in question. We all struggle. We all suffer in these areas because our conception is wrong of God. He says, no graven images. People were making images of Him that depicted Him that wasn't Him at all. He says, you shouldn't serve Him. Don't worship Him. They are making these images. They are serving something that is not Him. He's bringing them back. None of that. Me. The purity of me. The second commandment totally prohibits and condemns the worship of the true God through any idol or picture of anything depicting Him. He is not an inanimate object nor an abstract idea. He is the true living God with us at all times. We cannot constrict Him in any form or fashion. Now, have your pictures of John when you teach Sunday school. Have your pictures of Peter and Paul and all of them sailing in a sailboat, right? But I'm here to tell you the infinite God should not be confined to what our lives are. You're telling me, people say, how do they know what Santa Claus looks like? Some man drew him up and created him out of thin air. People do the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. Kids, you can deceive them with images and pictures all day long. Many of you, when you think about God today, have some sort of image that is not him at all. Many of you, how many of you have ever watched, and we're going to get a little secular here, any of you watched Star Wars before? There is a Jedi, or one of the superheroes, if you call it that, if you're not familiar, named Obi-Wan Kenobi. He is white-skinned, and in one of the movie, movie number two, I believe, or three, he had long brown hair. And you know what goes around Facebook? 
they post his picture on Facebook saying that he is Jesus Christ. And people who don't know Star Wars see that picture and think that that is an image of Jesus Christ. Elderly people share it all day long. And it's funny because the people who shared it knew it was Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. But they shared it depicting him. But I'm here to tell you, that is blasphemous against a true and living God. We're going to get later about taking the Lord's name in vain. That every time you say the Lord Jesus, when you take it in vain, not just simply using it as a curse word, but every time you even say it in a song and don't mean it with your heart, you're using His name in emptiness. Oh, these commandments get deeper. They go deeper in than we ever think. The desire upon the part of man to worship is innate. We want to worship something. Uh, a universal longing of the Magi. They want uh, to render a higher being to worship. When the ancient Egyptians worshipped the sun, they were expressing their desire for an object. When the mother used to throw her infant into the sacred Ganges River, she's reaching out for something to worship. When the Indian speaks of a happy hunting grounds, he's expressing his idea for something higher. It has been said that there are more gods and goddesses in Greece than there were men who lived. People have a desire to serve God. You'll find one of the most pagan ways to serve him is to make him into an image of art. You'll find if you go to Greece, you'll find Zeus, you'll find them all. In statues, you'll find even if you go to Israel, that in these Catholicism churches all throughout, you'll find these pictures everywhere of people kissing his picture, kissing his face. Everything is about some random object man. And I'm here to tell you we are to worship him by faith, not by sight and not by physical object. We worship him in spirit and in truth, it is not by our physical realm. Friends, these idols in the world are worthless. I know this steps on toes one time. Uh, we have thrown, I have thrown away a picture of Jesus sitting at the Lord's Supper. I threw it away. And to some, that seems like a blasphemous thing for me to do. Well, friends, I think it's a blasphemous thing to have the picture. And before I even knew this principle found in God's Word, the Holy Spirit always convicted me about having such images in my house. And I don't know if any of you do or whatnot. And I'm not here just to create enemies because this isn't the kind of message I want to preach necessarily. But I am called to give God's word about his commandments and what he'd have for us to do. These idols are worthless. They have no value compared to the true and living God. Nothing compares to him. He is priceless. And to put him and depict him in such worldly manners is wicked against his character. Not that we serve and bow down. Well, you're like, well, I don't serve or bow down to some image on my wall. Just the fact that he's depicted that way and he limits and it brings down his superiority over the world. That limits him in and of itself. And it adulterates who he truly is. What's the biggest problem in our nation today towards God? Everyone has the wrong view of God. They think he's wrong. He does this. He thinks wrong. I remember at Kroger one time, a girl came up to me and she said, I will never serve your God. I was like, okay, why is that? She says, because your God allows rape. I said, whoa. I said, whoa, where did you get that? She's like, well, when lots of kids, lots of daughters. I was like, just because it's recorded doesn't mean God allowed it. That's one example of how people view God incorrectly. Well, you think, well, I don't view him incorrectly. I don't see things in the Bible incorrectly. Friends, let me ask you this. How many wise men were there? And you're going to say three. Eh, wrong answer. That's not true at all. That's not found in your Bible whatsoever. Hey, are, you see all the time at Cracker Barrel. Remember those little wooden angels that you see all the time? How many of you have ever seen a female angel? Right? Yeah? There are no female angels in your Bible. Did you know that? You just cultural things. Uh, that's how objects can affect your theology. Hello? 
That's how objects can affect how you see God just by you seeing it without even realizing what's really there. And it does in more places than that. We could be here all day with how our world generates concepts about God that aren't the true and living God. These idols are also lifeless. They're worthless. They're lifeless. The Bible says that they have hands. They feel not. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. And the Bible says they that are like them, or excuse me, they that make them are like them. Let me tell you, friends, the man makes the idol, and then the idol makes the man. You can create the idol, and then the idol works in you. Let me tell you this. You become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. You don't believe me? How many of you know these teenagers that have these hip-hop stars that they love and worship? Or these athletes that people worship? They start dressed like, I got my J's on. And I got my shorts down to here like Kobe had. Or I got my jersey on. My flat bill hat turned sideways. And you're like, well, that's kind of the 90s. Well, I'm telling you, that's people become like what they worship. And when you worship the true and living God, he says, I, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt make unto thyself no graven images or any likeness to me at all. You cannot compare or limit me at all. His being is so infinite that our little finite brains could never, ever, 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 ever depict him in any way. Those that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. I'm talking about the person of God. These idols in the world are also meaningless. They mean nothing. So do not feel offended. I know, this will, I know this message, if it went to the right audience, would get me chewed out, spit out, and I'd have people on Facebook bashing me left and right. Well, I've had this picture of Jesus since my grandma had it. She painted it 35,000 years ago when dinosaurs, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I, I know that I'm going to catch flack for this message somehow. I know it's coming. It may have come from you. It may come from the internet. I know it's coming. But I'm just here to tell you where God's word stands on the likeness of images of God and creating Him and being in that instance. They're worthless, they're lifeless, they're meaningless. They're not Him. They don't depict Him. They aren't Him at all. So number one, the person of God. Number two, let's talk about the purity of God. This is really our our whole point today. Protecting God's purity. The Bible says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness. No idol can come close to depicting and showing the true and living God. There is nothing you can compare God to. There's nothing that we can say that God is ultimately like. The second commandment in implication says this. I am the living personal God, the infinite, the eternal. You must never attempt to depict me visually, for it is impossible to portray such attributes. Hey, friends, people say all the time, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look on God's face. Hey, God is not a person that you should look upon His face. You'll see the Lord Jesus Christ, but God is not a man. You won't get to heaven and see him as a man. You won't see God, the old man father, sitting next to the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting on a big throne in a little throne. You'll see the Lord Jesus Christ, but God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. The purity of God. He says, the moment you reduce me to a puny picture or a lifeless image, you insult my attributes and set a small God in your minds. He needs to be high and lifted up. Enthroning Jesus, high and lifted up. Higher than we can even imagine. If someone protests, if any of you say that there's no intention to worship through a picture of Christ, we say that this isn't just about false worship. It's also to keep the purity and a worthy concept of the divine Lord in which a picture could never do. 
Remember, we are ultimately, I'm not here to beat you upside the head like you're worshiping and bowing down to the picture. I'm here to tell you all I'm trying to do is protect God's purity. I'm not saying we're all worshiping some picture in our bedrooms or that you're kissing some kind of picture of Jesus or some kind of depiction of God at home. I am trying to say what we're trying to do is keep it from being adulterated and to keep the purity, to keep it pure, to keep God's purity and to protect it. Number three, I want to recap. We saw the person of God. Number two, the purity of God. Number three, the pleasure of God. The Bible says, for I... The Lord thy God, in verse number five, and I am a jealous God. Well, you're like, man, that means God sins. No. Jealousy has the right to do, in other words, it's right to do sometimes. God has a right to be jealous because he is the only one deserving of our admiration, of our love, of our giving to him. So he has a right to be jealous for it's due to no one else. Imagine God, the creator of the universe, the stars, the moon, the skies, you. He's the reason you breathe and you live and you have anything at all. And he sees you worship some little idol made out of gold, plastic, or a painting. And God, in all his infinite infinite ways and all of his uh, highness, I can't even give words. English words do not even tell you how his attributes are. He is so marvelously above what I can explain. But imagine God... He's sitting here saying, how could you worship such littleness, such smallness? How could you depict my blessed son in such a small way? You know, we went to the church where people believe in in Israel, where they say that Christ was born. The church of the incarnation there in Nazareth. And we went, you'll find that on all the walls in there are paintings from almost every country in the world where they draw and they paint a picture of baby Jesus with Mary holding him in every culture around the world. This stuff is prevalent. It's everywhere. And friends, I will not, and I'm telling you, this church will not limit our God into a small picture. Our God is large. He's big. And I'm not here just to pick a fight. We have to have the right view and respect of God, of how he is, and the respect that's due unto him. The Bible says to fear the Lord thy God. That is still right and still biblical to do. And friends, we must respect Him once again. Commandment number two is in the negative form, right? Thou shalt not, do not. Thou shalt not make any of the, any graven image. But it also, it gives forth, what's the opposite? It gives forth a positive virtue as well. True faith worship is the simplest and humblest activity in which we can engage, yet the most glorious. The opposite of this is faith. You don't need a picture To have faith in God. You don't need a picture to love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith. It's not by sight. Do you see how they're opposites? The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And when you limit God to a picture, you try to walk by your flesh and not by the spirit. Remember, we believe that serving God is a supernatural work in which the Holy Spirit indwells us, that leads us and guides us. It is not a work of our fingers. Our worship is not a part of our hands. And it's not all about how we move our body and sway and do all this kind of stuff in service. It's more about our heart towards God and how we view the Lord, our God, is very important. We conduct ourselves, we correct ourselves, excuse me, for His worship. How we correct ourselves is for Him. I hope this doesn't bore you. I hope this doesn't bother you. I hope that you look at yourself and I will look at mine and say, I want to correct my life to love and serve Him. I want to do everything that I need to 
to serve Him. Friends, the question isn't, is God on your side or my side? The question is, are we on His side? That's the question. The prohibition of visual representations of God tells us that worship is by faith. It is not by any attempted visualization in our minds of our Savior. In the second commandment, God takes away every possible form of image, whether visual or audible, to remove all proud, skillful, man-centered, technique-driven worship. All around our world today, men are creating ways that they believe they can worship God. They have the lights, the hoopla, all the junk around. They do all sorts of things to say they can worship God this way. But God must be worshipped by faith. By faith. It's not simply by an orchestra or a moving of your heart or bringing you to tears. It is by faith we trust Him. We place our faith in the true and living God. All man-made models and figures must go, and then the shutters of heaven will roll aside that we may receive by faith the glory and greatness of our Heavenly Father. What I'm telling you is when you see God correctly, listen to me clearly, please. When you see God clearly, you can thus see yourself clearly. And the reason why many of us live the wicked lives we do and many of the reasons why we are so cold, and the reason why we don't care and why we don't serve and why we don't work is simply because we see Him wrong and we see ourselves wrong. We deceive ourselves. The closer you get to Him, the more you see about yourself and it makes you want to turn away from you. Because it makes you realize you pushed yourself. You are the reason. You are the reason for all of the errors, all the issues in your life. Your flesh, your sin in your life. And the closer you get to Him, the more you are dissatisfied with yourself. So if you're sitting here happy with yourself, thinking there's nothing wrong with you, that you're sitting in the shade drinking ice cold pink lemonade, then you aren't close to Him. The closer you get to the pure source, the more defiled you see us. Friends, remember, we are not here to base how wonderful we are or how holy we are based on each other. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I don't do what she does. I don't do what they do. I'm not committing a sin like they are. No, our, our I want to use the right word. What we base ourselves on, excuse me, is on him, not on each other. So in other words, all of us got some work to do. Because I'm not basing how good and pure and dandy I am based on you. You're not my standard. He is our standard. And when you look at Him, you'll never be satisfied with yourself. Paul said, within man in myself dwelleth no good thing. He said, I am the chiefest of sinners. He saw himself in the corrupt condition he was. And it made him cling and love his Savior more than ever before. And he loved the Lord his God by faith. The Bible says, For it is impossible to please God without faith. The book of Hebrews will tell you that in chapter number 11. It says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. Friends, what does this tell us about the pleasure of God? It's simple. Number one, simplicity would be the word. We don't need all the hoopla. We don't need all the stuff. We don't need all the pictures, the lights, the things, the blah, blah, blah in this world. All we need is a heart humbled by God, willing to honor God. We need simplicity. You know what the church really needs? You know what, what, what we learned in basketball when I was growing up, and even in high school when we played basketball. You know what the coach always said? Boys, you need to get back to the fundamentals. You guys can dunk. 
You can do the crazy stuff, but you can't even dribble a ball. That's how the church is today. They try to do all the hoopla, all the crazy stuff, all the fun. Friends, what I'd like to do is kick all that out and get back to the simplicities of serving God, loving His Word, and loving people. That's pretty easy ingredients for loving Him. Not all these kind of things that we could add, all and all these things that we could do in worship. It is great to worship Him in simplicity. And friends, the problem is people who hate simplicity love entertainment. And when church becomes an entertainment hall, friends, you can find that the true worship of God is slowly and quickly. Well, I wouldn't even say slowly, quickly departing out of that place. I'm not here to entertain you. Our singing isn't to entertain you. It's not to get you all sorts of ways. And if it, now, if it gets you emotionally moved and it draws you closer to Christ, wonderful. But we are here to worship and honor Him. We're here towards Him. It's not towards us. This service isn't for you. It's for Him. And why we preach the Bible is to correct ourselves for Him, not for me. I don't, it doesn't change anything really for me if you get these images out of your house. But it surely will for you. The pleasure of God, simplicity, it's by faith. Number two, significance. All given to the Lord. It removes all man-made ways of worship. Remember, remember Cain and Abel in Genesis, right? One of the first stories you read. They both came to God in worship, right? God said, I accept one way of that worship. He accepted Abel's worship because it was the way God wanted. And why did he reject Cain's? Because he tried to worship his own way. In other words, we adapt our worship to what he wants. We just don't choose our own way. We don't choose our own life. We don't choose what our definition of holiness is. We adapt our lives to match what he would have us to do. That's what a servant does. Servant doesn't set the rules. A servant is only called to serve and to be faithful. So it's simplicity, it's significance. Number three, it shows sincerity. We must be sincere to please God. Genuine heart with God. You'll find that God's greatest work He does for us is in our hearts and in our homes. And friends, we need to get back to the true worship of God, which is by faith. Many of us are just living by our sight, by our senses, by what we can see and do and stuff. Why don't you take a risk, step out, launch out into the deep? Stop relying on all these physical things. Well, I don't have the money. Well, I don't have this. God didn't do this. Oh, I don't have this. Friends, why don't you walk by faith? And trust God's word. People say, well, what is faith? Well, there's many good definitions. And I wouldn't disagree with them. My favorite is this. Faith is simply taking God at his word. What he says, I believe and I'm going to do it. That's it. I'm walking by his word. And friends, we are called as Christians to protect God's purity. The way you live impacts how people see and view the living God. What we do, how we act, how we talk, what we watch, what we listen to, what we allow ourselves to laugh at, what we enjoy, all has an impact on how your neighbor, how your brother, and how your sister views the true and incredible living God. And I wonder how many of us have done things or are currently living a life that brings an abomination to the purity of God. Not just by having idols, not just by having pictures, but even ourselves. Remember, the true and living God lives in us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. We are bought with a price. We're His. So thus we reflect Him as well. I wonder if we are protecting God's purity. And by God's grace in this church, whether it's by physical image, 
whether it's by some other principle that we could use from commandment number two, we will, by God's grace, protect His purity and make sure He is the only one that receives our worship and our praise and our love. No man, no woman, no idol, no thing, no manufactured product from China, nothing. It's only Him. And that's the way He requires it. Let's pray. Father, thank You.